Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to be discussing some of the bigger shifts coming up in October, as we have previously discussed on this podcast. In the October horoscope, we spoke about how much change was happening this month and how much we had kind of shifting around astrologically. We have Saturn going direct, we have Mars going retrograde, and we have an eclipse happening all in the same kind of span of time. So we're going to spend some time talking today specifically about Saturn going direct and Mars going retrograde. And then next week we will dive deep into the eclipse. So before we get started, I always like to remind you all that I study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which is different than the Western tropical system. To learn more about the differences between these two systems, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings, no, click on media and then astrology now. And there is a podcast embedded there that will share more about the differences between these two systems if you would like to learn. And again, I just want you all to have the heads up that the signs I'm using are going to be different, right? The tropical system uses um, a different method of calculating where the planets are. So we're going to be using the astronomical placement of the planets at any given moment in time when we are using this sidereal system. <sighs> so I'm sitting here, it's kind of like later in the afternoon. I typically try to record earlier in the morning because that's when my brain is the most fresh. <laughs> And uh, I've just been having some late starts lately. I feel like my natural rhythms are kind of becoming later, which is super, super new for me. Um, and this is actually interesting because it is, I do believe it's astrologically related, but I was in one dasha uh, for a few years and I was like, you know, waking up super early, going to bed super early, like productive all the time. And then I moved into this new Mahadasha in November of 2021. And ever since I've entered this, well, it didn't, it didn't really happen instantaneously, but as I've kind of moved into this new Dasha, things have kind of gotten more laid back for me. I've been staying up a little bit more later. I've been sleeping in a little bit later. It's just kind of funny to observe how things kind of move and shift through time. But I'm still um, still a morning person in general and kind of utilize, I love to utilize my morning for my practices and my quiet time and my creative time. Then as I move throughout the day, things get a little bit more productive. I'm just not um, productive for every hour anymore. <laughs> and I wonder if anyone can relate with that, but I went through like several years where every hour of my life I was trying to be productive somehow. And uh, I'm just not doing that <laughs> anymore. Not hour, not every hour is productive anymore. I spend way more time kind of uh, slowing down, I think. Um, I think it's an age thing too. But anyway, that's where I am. I definitely invite you all to slow down, create some time in your life to enjoy and appreciate and read and draw or do activities that just simply bring you joy that don't necessarily need to amount to anything. And I think that that's what I was getting so caught up in is this, not that it was bad, it totally served a purpose. And if you're in this part of your life, you should probably just seize that like fire, you know? Um, and... 
I think that we can get caught up in this idea that everything that we do needs to amount to something and it needs to either impress other people or achieve something or make us money or earn us some sort of status or, you know, something, it needs to add to something. And I don't think that life needs to be that way. And I think that this is that meditation of doing versus being and we're here to be we're here to enjoy to simply feel you know the light of the sun or the temperature of the air or engage with others or be present with a pet or a child or a human you know like an adult or your plants um there's so much productivity as well in inactivity and we know that with yin and yang and this kind of interwoven cyclical energy of of the yin energy and the yang energy and how we can't have one without the other and so this ability to rest and this ability to slow down and this ability to simply be it is absolutely contributing to productivity because we're avoiding things like burnout we're allowing ourselves to get inspired we're nourishing ourselves and allowing ourselves to replenish and now that we're moving into the fall season at least in this part of the world <laughs> the plants are starting to kind of dry up and die and hibernate you know everything's kind of moving into the slower part of life and I definitely feel my own natural cycle kind of um, falling into that so hope that you all can embrace it as well Dasha or not and if you are in one of the fiery seasons of life and you are going to plow through this winter being more productive than ever then cheers to you also because that's a beautiful energy as well so okay moving into today's horoscope what we're talking about we're talking about saturn going direct and mars going retrograde and so saturn is always an important planet to track because it is a karmic planet saturn is the bestower of karma in many ways and saturn really enjoys supporting us in righting our wrongs and helping us find equality and helping us find balance. Saturn does not like to stand for injustices. Saturn usually is for the underdog, usually likes to point out where things are uneven or not right. And when we come into this lifetime and we find Saturn in our birth chart, of course, all of us are going to have Saturn somewhere. That's an area of life that we need to pay attention to and that we need to grow from and learn from regardless of where Saturn is, you know, and what Saturn is trying to get us to focus on is perhaps an area of our life that we ignored or we didn't pay enough attention to that we neglected. It could have been even an area of our life that we were unethical in that we were not fair in. And as we move into this lifetime, into this incarnation, there are things that Saturn wants to even out, that Saturn wants to bring justice to, and that Saturn kind of forces us and encourages us to learn from. And sometimes if we're not open to that learning, it can feel quite sharp, it can feel cruel, it can feel difficult. But if we're open to this concept that everything that Saturn is doing, the delays, the difficulties, the obstacles, it's set up for our evolution, that will help us be open to Saturn's lessons. And then as we're open, 
when we're open to learning, when we're open to Saturn's influence, we can then invest that time and energy necessary to alleviate that karma. So, you know, if we have Saturn in the seventh house of relationships, paying tons of attention to relationships, investing energy and time and resources into becoming a good partner into understanding relationship dynamics. If you don't, it's, you know, it is going to be difficult. If you have Saturn in the ninth house, it could be around gurus and teachers, the relationship with your father, the relationship to philosophy and learning and education and things like this. Okay. So this is how Saturn really works in our birth chart. And when we're looking at it from a global perspective, Saturn is a social planet. Saturn and Jupiter are both social planets. And what this means is that as they move and as they shift, it has an influence on the culture on our paradigm, how we view things. It has an impact on certain issues that we're facing as a collective, systems, the government, economy, currency. Saturn and Jupiter both play a massive role here. And for the last several years, you know, Saturn entered Capricorn in 2020. You know, we've seen this huge shift in the global perspective and how we do things, how we move throughout the world. Because Saturn in and of itself, it has this connection to the government structures and right and wrong, and it could certainly impact the economy. The sign of Capricorn itself emphasizes these things because Saturn rules Capricorn. So they have a lot in common, naturally. Capricorn is the sign of currency, wealth, business, being serious, structures. So we've seen all of this kind of be renovated in a way. Saturn entered Aquarius. Saturn was in Aquarius earlier this year in 2022. And then Saturn retrograded back into the sign of Capricorn. And when Saturn moved back into Capricorn, it was like all of this unfinished business came to the surface in terms of the economy and prices going up and oil and gas. That's a Saturnine thing. Um, focus on world leaders. We've had so much happen with Russia and Ukraine and a focus coming to, to those world leaders. And even in Iran and, and this part of the world, the structure, these things that are unfair and unjust are coming to the surface for us to address. This is all a byproduct of Saturn retrograding. It's going back. Anything that was not taken care of, it's wanting to bring to light. And before even Saturn retrograde, right, we had the BLM movement. We had all of this uh, focus on injustices in society and injustices amongst people. This all happened with Saturn in Capricorn. Saturn entered Aquarius, it retrograded back into Capricorn, and then all of this other stuff happened. And the reason that things are intensifying now is because Saturn is squaring Uranus. Okay, Saturn is squaring Uranus to the degree, pretty much. You know, even if it's within five degrees, it's like a pretty tight aspect. And so Saturn is squaring Uranus and it brings up these sudden unexpected events. Uranus is revolutionary. You know, we're seeing a revolutionary energy. I mean, what is happening in the Middle East right now is truly remarkable and is groundbreaking and history in the making in terms of revolution. And that's something that's really um, important to pay attention to. And so I just want to take note of what Saturn retrograding has done globally and how we're seeing it. 
in our own personal lives as well, especially if you have planets in Capricorn. If you have 24, if you have a planet at 24 degrees of Capricorn, you are especially feeling it now. If you have planets even around that, 23, 24, 25, if you have a planet 23 to 25 degrees of any cardinal sign. So that's going to be Aries, Cancer, Capricorn, Libra. You are definitely going to be feeling it because Capric- because Saturn is squaring that planet. And so a lot is going to be coming up. Anything, you know, that's gotten swept under the rug, that hasn't gotten taken care of, something that is unethical, something that maybe you haven't been uh, transparent about or honest about either with yourself or other people. Now's the time to really focus on yourself and, you know, come into alignment with honesty and integrity and truthfulness, however that looks for you, whatever feels right for you. It could even have to do with certain boundaries around things, but it's going to be affecting you all most. Again, if you have a planet 23 to 25 degrees of any cardinal sign. And um, and again, globally, we're going to be seeing it in this way. With astrology, we always want to be projecting into the future of what's coming next. Because, you know, events could happen, but they may not turn into anything. But if we're looking into the future and we see movement happening that supports certain events, then, you know, it's something to really pay attention to. And so because we have Saturn preparing to go into Aquarius in January of 2023, Saturn in Aquarius is going to bring this revolutionary energy, this need for change, people coming together, combining forces, us really wanting a difference, you know, a a big difference in the world and how, how the world is going. And so because we see these acts of revolution beginning, I really do think it's something that's going to carry over into next year. That's my personal idea. I could certainly be wrong, but this is what I'm thinking. And I mean, Saturn's aspect to Rahu, Rahu and Aries, la la la, we could go on. (laughs) But I have reasons to suspect this, right? Um, But going back to this, this station. So when Saturn stations and goes direct, we are going to be able to finally move forward. In our personal life, wherever Saturn is stationing and directing, it's going to feel like a massive relief in terms of being able to move forward and proceed with plans and to make long-term goals. Again, if you have Saturn in the seventh, it could involve choices that your partner is making. It could be choices that you're making in relationship. It could also affect the aspects, you know, Saturn aspecting the fourth house of your home and living environment. If Saturn is transiting the fourth house, it could be that you finally are able to move forward with something in regards to real estate or property, in regards to the home life, your mother. So you want to see where Saturn is going direct, but it's going to bring about that alleviating feeling where we can finally move forward and start progressing. In the global sphere, a lot is going to come to light. Okay, Saturn kind of retrograded, swept through, brought all these things to the surface. Now it's going to station and go direct. Changes are going to be made. People are going to be wanting a change. Change is going to be demanded. But I also want to say Saturn in Capricorn creates this very strong government force. It, it creates a lot of government control or at least the desire for control so we may see this really powerful uh, stance happen when it comes to 
governments trying to make rules and regulations and kind of flex their power and that could be of course coming through world leaders as well but we're going to see this push pull and i do think that there's going to be some conflict there again i want to stress when saturn goes direct it's directly aspecting uranus and so this can bring about these sudden unexpected events sudden unexpected actions and changes and with everything else happening right now astrologically i think that this can certainly relate to uh, world affairs and how countries are relating with one another, allyships potentially changing or contracts potentially changing and things like that. So we want to watch out for that. So structures in the government, currency, you know, things of that nature. This is Saturn and Saturn going direct. On a personal level, again, if you've been feeling like you've been moving through mud or running in sand or whatever kind of analogy you want to use, things will be moving forward. But I really want to remind you all of the meaning of Saturn and why we have Saturn. Saturn helps us correct our wrongs. It's karmic retribution. Anything that we haven't been doing ethically, anything that we haven't been paying attention to, Saturn gets us to pay attention to it. So find your birth chart wherever Saturn is transiting for you in the sign of Capricorn. Capricorn, just make sure that your nose is clean in regards to those areas of life. So let's, and again, this is an opportunity. This isn't to scare you all, right? This is an opportunity to be the best version of ourselves and to be in that karmic alignment and to stand in our integrity and to burn off karma. Like what an awesome opportunity. That's why we're here. We are incarnated again so that we can burn off karma. This is an opportunity to evolve and to grow and to step into our fullest potential. So looking at Mars retrograde. So this is a big one also. Mars retrograde doesn't happen as often. And when Mars retrogrades, it does retrograde for an extended period of time. So Mars is going to go retrograde on October 31st, and it will go direct on January 12th of 2023. So this is a few months. Mars is going to enter Gemini from October 16th until November 13th. So Mars will be in Gemini for about a month. And I talk about how this will impact each of the 12 signs on my Patreon, patreon.com slash astrology now podcast if you're interested. And I do weekly horoscopes there. Mars will retrograde back into Taurus from November 13th until March 12th of 2023. So Mars is going to be in Taurus for a long time. That's what we're going to be spending the most amount of time speaking about today with this Mars retrograde. So talking about Mars, first of all, if you are a Aries moon or Aries rising or Scorpio moon, Scorpio rising, this is by far going to impact you the most because Mars is your first house ruler or the ruler of your moon, which is super, super important. You know, it's going to bring about this time of reflection and personal introspection, and it may even affect your energy and vitality to some extent. Someone whose chart I've been looking at and who Emily, you all know Emily, she helps me with my newsletter. She's been um, a dear friend of mine for a long time, started off as a student. I don't know. I've, you know, kind of moved into friendship, <laughs> but she and I were talking today about this and he, Biden, you know, the U S president, he's a Scorpio rising. He has Aries moon. So Mars really impacts him. 
He just moved into his Saturn Dasha. He has Saturn in the seventh house, right? Which is a Marka house. Mars is going to retrograde in his seventh house, also aspecting his second. So if you know a lot about astrology, you know that the seventh and the second are both Marka houses. He also has K2 transiting his first house ruler. So all of that to say, and maybe I'll do a YouTube video on this because I know it can be hard to keep track when it's just audio. Um, but all of this to say there could be some challenges for Joe Biden here in the next couple of months. And when there are challenges for the president, obviously there are challenges for the country as well. So we certainly want to keep an eye on that and we want to be sending him well wishes and good energy, despite what our politics are, um, simply as humans. And this is something that we want to keep an eye on because this Mars retrograde is definitely going to impact him the most. If he came to me as a client, I would say that he needed to be extra mindful. So that aside, kind of coming back to Mars retrograde for everyone, Mars represents, first of all, property and real estate. Mars represents passion, excitement, enthusiasm. It represents how we use our energy how we exert our energy, what we invested in. It could also be our courage and our willpower and our strength. Mars represents war. Mars is the planet of war. It's aggression, irritability, arguments, and also how we handle conflict. So if Mars is super well-placed in someone's birth chart, they tend to handle conflict really well. They can handle and channel their own anger very well. If Mars is afflicted, conflict becomes more difficult. People may not know when and when not to engage in conflict. It can be a difficult thing for them. When Mars goes retrograde, our ability to navigate conflict and navigate anger becomes a little bit less intelligent. So for us on an individual level, while Mars is retrograding from October 31st to January 12th, this is a time where our patience may be tested. We may have opportunities to navigate conflict well, to reassess how we handle anger, to reassess how we handle aggression. You know, it's not the time to just let our anger run rampant and to make excuses for ourselves and to let ourselves get wildly triggered and just stay there because some of us may be getting pretty triggered during this period. Um, depending on where Mars is transiting for you, it can certainly bring up some triggers. It can certainly bring up some repressed anger or frustration. But as I was mentioning earlier, this is the opportunity because in order to heal something, we have to be able to feel it. We have to be able to look at it and assess it and bring name to it. And then we can really let it go and heal ourselves and anger, repressed, unexpressed, unacknowledged anger is some of the most poisonous and toxic energy in our system. When we're angry about something and we haven't expressed it, if we're angry about something and we feel like maybe justice hasn't been brought to us or something hasn't been validated or recognized and we're not working to process it or release it, it can turn into some pretty nasty stuff in our system. This is that opportunity not to view anger as something evil, not to view it as something low vibe, quote unquote, you know, not to view it as something that we demonize. It's something that needs to be held and acknowledged and loved on so that we can gently release it and let it go and kind of get that out of our energetic circuitry. Because if we keep it in there, it will manifest as something that we don't want. It could even manifest as an illness. 
Um, it, it kind of, when we have unrepressed stuff, it kind of creates this looking glass that we see the world through. And when we can really process it and release it, we can actually see with clarity from our more authentic self, from our true self without the wounds, you know? So this Mars retrograde is an opportunity to kind of clear that up and polish ourselves up a bit. So don't let it be something that freaks you out. And if you get triggered, if you get angry, that's okay. It's a, it's insight into what we need to heal because it's going to be happening for me. <laughs> it's going to be happening for everybody. So this is a reminder for myself as well, that when those things arise, it's pointing, it's an arrow pointing to something that needs to be recognized and healed so that we can release it so that I can release it and see more clearly. Okay. And so that's really on the personal level. I think that this could also certainly affect our money and our finances. So we discussed Mars and what Mars represents. Taurus is the natural second sign. So it has this connection to the second house, which is all about resources, wealth, finances, building money, uh, food, prosperity. It has to do with our money mindset, how we feel about spending. Also has to do with our speech, how we communicate. Taurus is the sign of beauty and art and luxury. Taurus is also a fixed sign, which makes it quite stubborn as well. So again, on a personal level, it's a great opportunity to get our finances in order, to get things under control. There could be something with beauty, you know, there could be something with real estate and property. It could be a time where we redecorate the home. We bring more beautiful things into the home. Could be with a vehicle we choose to, um, I don't know, redo our car or get a new car. It could even have to do with our body. Maybe we choose new clothes. We want to throw excuse me, not throw away. Don't do that. Donate, <laughs> donate our old clothing and get new clothes. It could even have to do with something cosmetically as well, because the second sign has to do with beauty in many regards. So this is how it could impact us on a personal level. Of course, it could also bring up matters involving our family. Anger and frustration with our family is something that we need to be very careful with. This is an opportunity to heal some family dynamics, but again, it could potentially be triggering. So have that in the back of your mind. And when it comes to speech, we are a little bit more prone to argument and discord, but um, now is an amazing time to focus on having differences and having disagreements while maintaining respect and appreciation for other people. We don't have to, you know, dislike someone because we disagree with them. So on a global level, it's really important to remember that Taurus represents resources and food and money, and that it is fixed. I do think that Mars retrograde is going to bring about issues involving resources and food, maybe even some sort of security in some way. And I do think that um, disproportion is going to be highlighted. I think that events are going to happen where we can kind of see the disproportion of finances in the world and disproportion of resources in the world and how there are some communities that have an abundance and there are some communities that don't. I think that that's going to come up. I think it's going to become a little bit more obvious, something that we're paying attention to. I do think that the economy is going to fluctuate. I think that the cost of living is going to go up. I think it's going to be something that people are concerned about and talking about and it's you know things come up so that we can heal them so it's going to be something that comes up so that we can address it 
And um, again, I do want you all to be aware that there could be focus on food security and resources and things of that nature. I just, that's what I would imagine with Mars retrograding in Taurus. Because Taurus represents beauty and the arts, there may be some energy here. There could be um, maybe productions are shifting and changing. There could be new ideas coming out for entertainment. There may even be something new when it comes to fashion or beauty or an invention here. And with Mars's aspect from the sign of Taurus, it's also going to be aspecting Leo. It's going to be aspecting Scorpio and Sagittarius. And what's most interesting to me about this is the fixed signs, this energy with fixed, um, this kind of emphasis on the signs that are fixed, you know, Leo, Scorpio, and Taurus, they're all fixed signs. And because Mars has so much to do with aggression and maybe even war, I do see this bringing about this kind of stubborn attitude when it comes to disagreements globally. I see there being power struggles and individuals really clashing and being unwilling to see others' perspectives. I do see it putting a stress further on world leaders. I do see there being a lot of change and transformation in global affairs. With Mars's aspect to Sagittarius, this is one I'm most interested in because it's the eighth aspect and eight kind of has this special meaning in Vedic astrology where it's all about this change and transformation and up and down. And Sagittarius is all about philosophy and spiritual development and freedom and liberty. Mars is currently at a karma control planet. So whatever Mars is doing, it's going to bring about this significant change. I, again, I think that people are going to be really wanting a change. I think that we are going to be seeing this uprising of personal philosophies and this demand for freedom and equality and justice. I think that we're going to see that. And I also want to say with this aspect of, of Saturn to K2 still, there's just so much around freedom and this desire to find balance and equanimity. And I think that people are doing an amazing job. I think that these women, you know, all around the world with the issues that spurred in Iran, I think it's so amazing to see people come together to demand a change and to demand difference. I just like got goosebumps, you know, saying that. And I think that we'll continue to see this type of action taken. So that is... Um, that's what I'm thinking. And I do want to say we have these eclipses coming up towards the end of the month. Towards the end of October, we'll have a significant eclipse. Towards the beginning of November, we'll have another significant eclipse. And we will see events happen for sure. I also want to say we want to be mindful of... Um, natural disasters. I forgot that word for a second. We want to be mindful of natural disasters that involve electricity, wind, sudden tectonic plate shifts, um, water, like hurricanes. We just want to be mindful of these sudden natural disasters that kind of come about rather quickly. So we do want to be watching for that. And I just want to send a special shout out, um, 
this eclipse, I knew it was happening between the 10th and the fourth house for someone very meaningful to me. They're a graphic novelist and they've been trying to get published. And I told him, I was like, when we get closer to eclipse season, I bet you're going to get this deal. And sure enough, he just got notified that he's going to get published. And uh, so that's, that's the kind of thing that can happen when you're having eclipses between the fourth and the 10th house. Eclipses are not always bad. They can bring about amazing life altering opportunities and so I'm so grateful for that and I hope that for you whoever you are wherever you are that this eclipse brings something powerful and meaningful to you and we will dive deeper into the eclipse as we get closer we'll talk about it all next week and we'll talk about how it's going to impact each of the signs so I want to take some time to answer some questions from Instagram let me go ahead and pull it up so someone says you were so accurate about the uprising in Iran. How long will it last and will it succeed? I believe that this is something I spoke about on Instagram. I'm not sure if I said it on the public podcast, but um, I have this wonderful client who's really invested in Iran and Iranian politics. And she had asked me about it and I'd mentioned something about an uprising and here we are. And so she's asking how long will it last and will it succeed? I think that this transit with Rahu and Aries and K2 and Libra is going to emphasize it. And I do, I mean, I think it's going to have a really powerful influence on the world. I think it's already having this powerful influence in the world. And so I think it's already succeeding. Um, I do think it's going to succeed. And I think it's something that we will continue to see gain momentum and inspire people around the world. How do you approach karmic areas in your chart? Hmm, I hope that I answer this question in a way that you're hoping, my friend. Um, so th the biggest karmic indicators, to be brief, because everything in our chart is karma, Saturn, Rahu, and Ketu. And so Saturn is an area of life that we need to pay and devote special attention to. And we need to understand that there may be some sort of karmic retribution, that there may be some sort of delay. We may need to wait until after our Saturn return or until Saturn matures at 36 to really understand that area of life. Rahu is an area of life that we really need to spend a lot of time focusing on and fulfilling. Rahu brings this insatiable, obsessive energy. It's almost like new karma. K2 is past karma. It's something that we've spent a lot of time focusing on in previous incarnations. And so it just kind of comes naturally to us. And so how do we approach it? I would say become very intimately involved with the houses that, th that these three main points are in. Rahu, Ketu, and Saturn really learn what the houses signify, what they represent, learn as much as you can. So again, if it's the fourth house, really diving deep into inner happiness, your inner workings, a land, property, real estate, the relationship with your mother and how they may have impacted you. Again, if you have like the traditional mother setup, if um, Rahu is in the first house, yourself, your identity how you view yourself, what the boundaries are between yourself and others, how much do you share with others, you know, um, how can you maintain an even relationship while also investing time in yourself? It's just really trying to focus on these areas of life. And I know that this is such a broad and vast topic. I hope that that was helpful because again, I feel like that we could talk about this all day. 
Rahu K2 transit causing breakups. Is it a good time to date or better to do inner work? This is a great question and it totally depends on your individual birth chart. I would say that there are a lot of breakups just by virtue of K2 being in Libra. K2 is the great annihilator. It separates. It creates distance. Libra is the sign of relationship. So we're seeing a lot of relationships end, but I'm seeing people get married too. It's not like we're going to go this entire transit and not one person is going to get married. K2 can bring up things from the past. It can give us an opportunity to reconcile through past karma. So it's still a good opportunity to date. It's still a good opportunity to seek out relationship if it's in alignment for you. When you feel into yourself, if it feels that it's time to date and you feel this calling, then don't hold yourself back. What's happening or what may happen is that old relationship patterns may be revealed for you. Um, A past life connection may come in for you. An ex may come in for you. But regardless... What it's going to do for you as an individual is it could potentially reveal these karmic cycles that you have around intimacy and love. It can help you understand your inner workings a little bit better. It's an opportunity. It's not anything to be freaked out by. I would definitely date if that's something that's in alignment for you. Um, And again, just be aware. Really, I mean, it's a time to do both. My therapist always reminds me that relationship is a spiritual path. So I don't see inner work being separate from relationship. I see them as living together. There is only so much inner work I can do by myself in the solitude of my home with my dog and my cat living in my ways with nobody challenging me. It's when someone comes into my orbit that challenges me, that reflects me back to myself, that calls me out on my garbage. That's when I start growing. And that could be an intimate relationship, a friendship, a teacher, whoever, but it happens in that connection. So intimacy and love... There, there are periods of time where we should probably be single, <laughs> like if it's right after a breakup or if we're rediscovering ourselves. There's reason to be single. I'm not saying that there's never time for that, but I don't believe that inner work needs to be separate from relationship. I think that they coexist wildly, especially when we maintain that connection to ourself. There are so many good questions. I probably will screenshot these for next time for whatever reason. This time people just like flooded me with questions and there are so many amazing ones. So I may even save some of these for next week as well. Somebody asks, what are the most spiritually inclined nakshatras? And this is kind of difficult to answer because it really also depends on the house that the planets are in. Um, I always, you know, say that The water signs in general are typically very spiritual. And so the nakshatras there, I mean, like Ashlesha, Ashlesha, Pushya, and Purnavarsu, all of the nakshatras in Cancer tend to be incredibly spiritual. Um, Same thing with Scorpio and even Pisces. I mean, like Purva, Bhadrapada, Uttara, Bhadrapada, and Ravidi, all of those are very highly spiritual nakshatras. But then also Ardra, the K2 ruled nakshatras of Mula, Ashwini, Magha, But you'll see spiritualists without planets in those nakshatras, but you'll see planets in the fourth house, the eighth house, the 12th house. So it really is a combination of a few things. If I didn't list your nakshatra, please don't think that that means you're not spiritual. Um, That's just kind of what comes to mind right off, you know, right off the bat. I think that Chitra is also one of these highly spiritual signs. Shadabisha seems to be really really highly spiritual so there there are a lot and again it's like 
all of the asterisms have a connection to divinity. So all of them have this potential to be highly, highly spiritual. We also just want to see the house that they're in and also the planet that is associated with that nakshatra as well. Should we stay inside alone during the eclipse? It's advised to never look at the eclipse. If y'all followed me last year, I was like all about the eclipse. I looked at it you know, all night long. Um, but according to the tradition, we are not supposed to look at the eclipse. I don't necessarily mean being alone. If you want to do meditations or do inner work, you know, that's fine. I just, it's not recommended to look at the eclipse directly. How will Saturn stationary affect us? I hope that I answered that today. So there are a lot of really amazing questions. I'm going to screenshot these and hopefully continue this next week. I hope that this was helpful. If you would like to leave a review for astrology now, I would really appreciate it. You can leave a review at Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It always helps astrology. Now it helps me. It helps the small business that I run. So it's always greatly appreciated. If you would like to join Patreon, it's Patreon com slash astrology now podcast where I do weekly horoscopes and have other offerings there as well. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram and submit one of these questions for me to potentially read, it's astrology now underscore podcast. And of course, my website is innerknowing.yoga where you can schedule a reading. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.